Welcome to Baptist Perspective with Jimmy Barber. Whether you're listening while driving home from work, sitting with a hot cup of coffee, or making dinner, we hope this podcast will be thought-provoking and edifying. Now, here with today's episode is Jimmy Barber. In our previous podcast, we were reviewing the form of Presbyterian Church government from the Westminster Confession and why they maintain that the Church of Jerusalem consisted of more congregations than one, and all these congregations were under one presbyterial government. We examined the first two arguments under this first point. They were, one, a multitude of believers, two, a multitude of ministers. Now we will consider their third reason as to why they believed the church of Jerusalem consisted of more than one congregation. It is, quote, the diversity of languages among the believers mentioned both in the second and sixth chapter of the Acts, end of quote. In Acts chapter 2, we find Jews from about 15 different countries gathered at Jerusalem attending the Feast of Pentecost. While they were Jews, it is not unreasonable to think that in addition to the language of the country they were living, that they also knew the Hebrew language. Paul was not only a Jew, but a Roman citizen from the city of Tarsus. Therefore, it is likely he knew Hebrew, Greek, and Latin. In fact, in 1 Corinthians twelve eighteen, he said that he spoke, quote, with tongues, that is, languages, more than all of them. However, those that preached on the day of Pentecost spoke in the language of the various countries from which the Jews lived. Nevertheless, the 3,000 converts, Acts 2.41, were added to the 120, Acts 1.15, composed of one ecclesia congregation at Jerusalem. There is nothing said in Acts chapter 2 to indicate different assemblies aligned with individual languages. This has to be assumed to fix a preconceived form of ecclesiastical government. The idea of different languages from Acts chapter 6 can only be derived from the Hebrews and Grecians in verse 1 and the synagogue of the Libertines, Cyrenians, Alexandrians, Cilicia, and Asia that were disputing with Stephen. However, the synagogue was not a New Testament congregation, but it appears they were not speaking different languages in their synagogue or worship, or wherever they were disputing with Stephen. It has to be read into the text to assume that Stephen was discussing with the people from all those different countries in different languages. As for the Hebrews and Grecians in verse 1, this was a description of styles and customs and that the Grecians did incorporate the Greek language into their lives, whereas the Hebrews generally did not but there is no indication of separate congregations because of this. If there were separate congregations with each its own language, why was there murmuring that the Grecian widows were neglected? And why is it that the seven men, generally assumed to be deacons, 
that were selected all Grecians, as indicated in the Greek language by their names. The form of Presbyterial Church government, second premise, that the Church of Jerusalem consisted of more than one congregation is, quote, all those congregations were under one Presbyterial government, end of quote. Then four points are supplied to support their argument. The first point is, quote, they were one church, end of quote. Since the word church should be congregation or assembly, why the distinction? In other words, were the formers of the confession saying that it was a church of churches or a congregation of congregations? No, they were intending to force the English word church to mean something separate from congregation as practiced by the Catholics for hundreds of years and adopted by the Protestants to support their hierarchical ecclesiastical government. Let us keep in mind that our Lord Jesus Christ set up his New Testament congregation to be the pillar and ground of the truth, 1 Timothy 3.15 and to maintain the keys of the kingdom, Matthew 16, verses 18 through 19. Our Lord did not establish some ecclesiastical government, or ecclesiastical authority, to rule over and govern the individual candlestick in which he dwells. Compare Revelation 1, 12 through 15 and verse 20. Christ is not honored and glorified in ecclesiastical hierarchies. He is worshipped and honored and adorned and glorified in the congregation of God as the gospel is proclaimed and the ordinances preserved according to the truth of the scriptures. The second point to support that Quote, all those congregations were under one presbyterial government, end of quote, is, quote, the elders of the church are mentioned, end of quote. By this, the writers of the confession are saying that the elders of the church are separate and above the congregation. However, a multiplicity of elders or ministers of any kind do not infer a multiplicity of congregations. There are many congregations that have more than one elder or pastor. As I previously stated, I was blessed to co-pastor a congregation for approximately 15 years. Even Acts 20.17 states that Paul called for the elders of the church, that is the congregation at Ephesus, to say by implication that the word church in Acts 20.17 includes more than one congregation at Ephesus, then why did the Holy Spirit say in the letter to the Galatians, the churches of Galatia, and not the church of Galatia? Equally, our Lord distinguished between the church, that is, the congregation of Ephesus, from that of Smyrna, Pergamos, 
and the other churches or congregations of Asia. See Revelation chapters 1 through 3. In fact, the Holy Spirit inspired John to write to the seven churches, congregations, and then singled out each church, congregation, in the singular. One has to assume what is not stated in the Scriptures to infer anything differently. To assume or imply sentence or any kind of counsel or assembly as an ecclesiastical authority over individual congregations from Revelation chapters 1 through 3, chapters 1 through 3, is to read it into the Scriptures. Let it be emphasized. The congregation at Ephesus in Revelation is the same congregation that had elders in Acts 20.17, and it is the same congregation to whom the letter to the Ephesians was written. And the congregation at Ephesus was just as much a body of Christ as the congregation at Corinth. Notice 1 Corinthians 12.27. Remember that passage reads, Ye are the body of Christ. Since the definite article is not supplied before the word body in the Greek text, it may well be interpreted, ye are a body of Christ. The third argument to support that, quote, all congregations were under one presbyterial government, quote, end of quote, is as follows, quote, the apostles did the ordinary acts of presbyters as presbyters in that kirk, K-I-R-K, which proveth a Presbyterian church before the dispersion, Acts 6, end of quote. Obviously, the apostles were serving as ministers in the congregation in the early days of Christianity. But this in no way proves that they functioned as a separate ruling body over the congregation of Jerusalem. As 1 Corinthians 12, 28 states, the Lord set the gift of apostle in the congregation first. Acts 6, 2-3 reads, quote, Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom, may we, whom we may appoint over this business. Notice that it was the twelve that called the disciples. Remember in Acts chapter 1, the congregation of 120 were assembled together, and Peter advised them, the 120, not the 11 apostles, to select one to replace Judas. Matthew was selected as an apostle by the congregation, excuse me, Matthias was selected as an apostle by the congregation. Remember that according to Acts 2, 41, 47, the baptized believers on the day of Pentecost and afterward were added to the church congregation. 
congregation of 120 in chapter 1. In other words, the apostles were in the congregation. And as Matthias, as was Matthias, and he was selected by the congregation. The apostles were not a ruling body over and above the congregations. They were of the congregation. We must bring to your attention that this third argument speaks of presbyters in that kirk, K-I-R-K. By the way, the, the Greek word for presbyter is translated as elder. Wikipedia summarizes it well, gives the basic meaning and etymology of kirk as follows. As a common noun, kirk, that's K-I-R-K, meaning church, is found in Scots, Scottish English, Alter Scots, and some English dialects, attested as a noun from the 14th century onward, but as an element in place names much earlier. Both words, Kirk, K-I-R-K, and Church, C-H-U-R-C-H, notice both of these words, and this is Wikipedia again, derive from the Koine Greek, Kuriakon, then Doma, for body in parentheses, Kuriakon meaning Lord's house, which was borrowed into the Germanic languages in late antiquity, possibly in the course of the Galtic missions. End of quote. Again, we find that the idea of an ecclesiastical hierarchy under the identity of Kirk, K-I-R-K, is proclaimed by individuals who desire to follow the meaning of the Greek word kuriakon instead of ekklesia for the congregation. This mixing and swapping of words instills confusion among the people of God and causes them to be enslaved to an ecclesiastical hierarchy that rules over them and brings them into captivity to rules, regulations, and auxiliaries that were never intended by our Lord Jesus Christ. Is it any wonder that there are so many ideas and opinions about ecclesiastical government. But our time is up for today. The Lord willing, we shall continue this study in our next broadcast. Thank you for listening to today's edition of Baptist Perspective. We archive our episodes so you can go back anytime and listen again. Do you have a question about something you've heard or just want to let us know you're listening? Visit us at baptistperspective.wordpress.com. That's baptistperspective.wordpress.com. Thanks again for listening.